3: welcome to wood talk now here are three guys who if combined would make one hell of a woodworker mark shannon
1: and matt oh yeah it's wood talk number 383 for may 22nd 2017 on today's show we're talking about different types of chisels getting the most from your jack plane and what if matt moves and we'd like to thank some folks who helped support us over at Patreon that's patreon.com woodtalk we have Greg Brock James Sodom Marilyn Guthrie Harry, Harry Richardson Nicholas Steffi and Blaise Morin. Thank you so much, everybody, for helping us out. We really appreciate the support. And again, go to patreon.com slash woodtalk and you can find out how you can help out the show and get a couple things in return and some bonus content too, like the email extra show, which is a lot of fun, and we do that every week. So I think we could just jump right into the good stuff here, guys. What is on the bench? Want me to go first? Can I go first?
0: That was the fastest intro ever. Well,
1: there's no sponsor, just our patrons. <laughs> well, I'm sponsored my by us. Sponsored by
2: There's uh, there's a bench hook. uh, There's a piece of poplar. Here's some Spanish cedar. There you go. uh, And some knife hinges. Bruso knife hinges. Ooh, nice.
1: They're not sponsoring today. We're not supposed to talk about them.
2: Okay, they're they're.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. We love those guys. Okay. So what's on the bench? I'm uh, doing something very very important. I'm building a wall and uh, covering up one of those garage doors. Finally. That's all. Wow. (laughs) so exciting right I went to uh, I went to who's paying for the wall what's that who's paying for the wall Uh, you know who the Mexicans oh (laughs) should we even say that as getting a little bit too political
0: Seth that's that's maybe we were going with a little bit I broke my own rule but
1: but Matt set it up and I had to go for it (laughs) you're <laughs>
0: welcome, everyone.
1: Okay. So, this wall is basically just boxing in the garage door, turning a garage door space into a utility space, something I could hang stuff from. And I'm kind of reversing some of the stuff in the shop. The assembly tables go into on one side and the uh, workbenches go into the other side, and just a lot of moving stuff around. But the wall structure itself is just basic two by four, you know, 16 on center. I put a little bit of insulation in there, though I don't really think I. Truly needed it, but it is in front of a door that could have, you know, air leaks and things like that. So I did a little bit of insulation on it and uh, covered it with that T111 siding material, which just, I think it kind of looks good, looks very woody and woodworky. And I'm going to apply a very light stain to it just to darken it up because I think it's a little too naturally, just a little too yellow. I, don't, I just don't like the way it appears on video, so I'm going to darken it up a little bit. And I gotta say, I'm pretty happy with the results overall. It's it's nice and sturdy, and it is just temporary in a sense that if if we ever have to move, for whatever reason, that thing's coming out. And I'm not going to try to sell a house with a non-functional garage door. <laughs> so it is but just. It looks so, nice. so is it
2: is it floor to ceiling? Like no, no. Did you? So how did you actually build this? I mean, is it anchored with wood into the floor, or did you just like bring out like? Supports from like the ledger above the door or something. and
1: basically it's just offset so it sits in front of the the garage track. So it's only coming off the wall about seven or eight inches, which is what I needed to get the clearance for those tracks. Uh, From there, it's just kind of braced with angle iron, like Simpson strong tie um, right angle pieces mm-hmm. that are going into the framing around the garage door and then holding this piece in place. And it really doesn't take much for a, a, a wall this small. It really doesn't take many of those going up the sides and over the top to hold that thing in place and make it sturdy. And I just got a little bit of liquid nails and a pressure treated um, plate on the bottom to kind of just hold it in place. So if I had to move you know, and get this stuff out of here, I could have that thing torn down in about, you know, five or 10 minutes. Uh, and the other thing is in Denver, I know it's code and none of this is to code. I mean, I didn't get permits for this. This is something that like if if I had to, it would come out. This is not something I'm going to try to sell the house with. Uh, but in Denver with the soil that we have here, the movement is pretty crazy. So if you put any kind of a wall, uh, load bearing or structural or something that's floor to ceiling, you actually have to let that wall float. Anyone who's seen uh, Andy Klein's Denver move basement videos you'll see the insane amount of extra work he had to do to put walls in his basement and they oh. it, they have to actually float them on these very large nails so that the wall itself if the ground heaves it doesn't push the wall up so what I've got here is I, I didn't do that because I like to break the rules and uh, and take chances but if that wall moves it's not actually floor to ceiling so if there were any movement there, it's only going to affect the the door frame and it shouldn't be too dramatic. I think some of the things I have there could take a bit of stress before there's any major problems and I should be able to see it if I need to, to do something to fix it. But um, the house has been here for a while. There's not, you know, it doesn't seem like the soil's moving all that much just to to look at the concrete at this point. So uh, I am taking a little bit of a, a gamble there, but it's sort of a calculated gamble. And if this were bearing a load or going all the way to the ceiling, then I'd be a little bit more concerned about it. But it's it's just over the height of the door. Can
2: you actually access the dead space between the, the wall and the door?
1: No, there is no dead space. It's uh, filled <clears throat> with insulation at this point. They're, oh, they're really I was just what-
2: thinking of a place where you could like throw stuff. Like, yeah, that is you know, up been, and over the top of the wall. That yes, actually things. has been
1: suggested to create kind of a little slot cubby where you could put like snow shovels and things that you only need seasonally. Uh, but I'm, I'm at. I was
2: thinking Dunkin' Donuts cups and
1: <laughs> just a big garbage can. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I like that. the amount of the amount of garbage you could fit in there. What I could Come do on, is just put just- like
1: I drill a hole in it and then that'll be my garbage chute. I just stuff stuff in there. Yeah. See, out of sight out of mind. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. And then every couple of years uh, somehow open the garage door from the outside and just let it all pour out, bring a dumpster in. Yeah. But yeah, over just,
2: just close the garage door again. No one will notice.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but I you know overall I think it's really going to help me out because I, anyone who has a garage workshop knows how useless the garage door interior space is. And obviously if it's a functional door, there's nothing you could do, but if it's a, a door that you could sacrifice and make it non-functional, it really does give you a lot of extra space. So um, looking forward to populating it with clamps because i 'm going to move my clamps over here. <laughs> and uh, now i 'm not buying more i 'm just moving my clamps and a lost opportunity for Cremona here I offered Matt Cremona my floor standing mortiser, which powermatic doesn 't even make anymore it's they make one, but not this one. this one is like super heavy duty comes with like a one inch hollow chisel on it in case you know you want to make any houses anytime soon. And uh, I offered it to Matt and I said, hey, man, let's just trade. You give me your dinky one because I'd like to have one. I just don't want a giant <laughs> one. And he uses it a lot, right? And he's got some fairly large pieces so he could use something like this and his wife won't let him leave home. What do you think about that? Oh.
0: Oh. She wants to come with us and uh, or with me, but uh, she went and spent all her vacation days on maternity leave. Stupid babies. I'm what a me. lady, you know? Seriously.
1: Well, anyways, I did find a buyer for it, so- Uh, someone from I think the guild page is going to stop by and pick that bad boy up. And I think what I'm going to do is probably you know if I really need one, I'm just going to get a a tabletop version. I just don't use it enough to justify taking up all that extra floor space. So kind of it was a difficult thing to do because it is a really really (laughs) nice hollow chisel mortiser. But (laughs) you know if you don't use it, what what, I mean, Matt, you're going through this right now with your shop, right? Yeah. If you're not using it, it's got to go. Yeah, get it out. I mean, it's just wasted <clears throat> space. And if you didn't have a home for it, I'd take
2: it off your hands just to you know put in the corner and put
1: coffee on it. <laughs> yeah, just, just just create YouTube content. Just a, a <laughs> giant paperweight. I know
0: what you're doing when the camera's off. You know, I'm cutting yeah. all the morses by hand. That's true. You I had to show one. We know what's real. I had going a
2: guy on. the other day who insisted that I was standing in front of a green screen uh, because <laughs> the way my new lights, the way my new lights work, I, I now have overhead actual hair light for like three three-point lighting and i guess it creates enough of a separation from the background that he's like he was convinced that my tool cabinet was a green screen oh. i was like yeah well you know and when you lift it up there's like a table saw and a power joiner and everything behind it which <laughs> you know i would i would admire anybody that did that the sheer amount of just like post-production editing and and like Gear and equipment in the shop to be able to pull that off would actually be you know I I would admire that interesting to the illusion.
1: There was um uh what's his name Mark Adams the guy with the the big school in Indiana he had a Mm. series of videos they're really old at this point but uh, DVDs on woodworking and they all looked like that like if you watch and study the video I used to think it all the time like is that was that a studio is that a space in the shop but if a if a scene is lit in just the right way you can give it any like a very artificial look so i guess that's what you've attained good job yay <laughs> i don't know if that's a good thing but good job
2: <laughs> now now i'm ready to get a green sheet and do some really cool
1: stuff yeah you there know. you go broadcasting <laughs> from niagara falls this week yeah I brought my
2: workbench <laughs> we're, we're gonna build a barrel and go over the falls <laughs> yay Woo. all right so
1: matt i mentioned <laughs> do you it, have any idea how many views would that get what that would get though at least a few that's
0: that's compelling i, I would
1: watch it you get one for me i would totally even out. two
0: for me who knows
1: <laughs> watch it twice <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Matt, I, I, I mentioned cleaning your <laughs> shop.
1: What do you got going on?
0: <laughs> I started cleaning up my shop. It's been okay. a long time coming. Um, I've been wanting to like actually go through the shop and kind of address the whole thing as like a whole unit because like when I move into the shop and like over the years, like I, I'm just like I'm not a shop person in the sense that like I'd rather be building furniture than building shop furniture. And like get my shop all nice. The time I spent out there, I'd rather be building projects that aren't just for the shop.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So, like, over the years, it's kind of caught up to me because I've acquired more things, a lot of small things. And it's like, where do you put them all? Everything always seems to get shuffled from horizontal surface to horizontal surface. And the whole, like, put your stuff away when you're done with it doesn't really work because it doesn't go anywhere. So, like, you can't put it away. So <laughs> There's it never no way really to put it away, well. too. <laughs> <laughs> the only place I put away is moving over here to this other space that's not occupied by something else. <laughs> so I've been kind of wrestling with that. So part of the thing I'm doing this year is kind of addressing that throughout the shop. And one of the things I did last week, as I was thinking about the shop as a whole and, like, the organization structure and what I have in the shop, I kept coming back to, like, my biggest problem with, like, stuff everywhere, and it's just lumber. There's just wood everywhere in my shop. And I did this last Last summer, I think it was, where I gave away a bunch of like scraps and offcuts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this week, I gave away all the stuff that I held on to last time. So, like the people that came by last time, they got the actual scraps. The people that came by this time and took everything, they got like the stuff I was holding on to because someday I might want to make something out of this. But like as I was thinking about my workflow and the way I work, if I have like a four foot piece of cherry, I'm never going to use it because. If I'm building a piece of furniture out of a chair, I'm going to build that piece of furniture out of one set of boards from the same log.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm, I'm never going to be like, oh, I need this little piece from over here. I can mix it in with this panel or something because I wouldn't just right. never do that. So there's no reason for me to have that in the shop anyway. <laughs> so I got rid of everything less, like the four foot offcuts and less, those all went. Every single one of them, I had a whole stack of them. Um, I took every single thing off my lumber rack. <clears throat> and the only thing I put back up there is the stuff for any... The current projects I'm working on any upcoming projects. So the lumber rack actually serves a purpose other than long-term lumber storage, because I have long-term lumber storage outside the shop. So there really isn't any reason for me to have any logs. <laughs> exactly. Like I, there's no reason for me to put any lumber in the shop. So I like my top shelf, my lumber rack was all boards that have been there since I put them there like years ago. And I mean, they're still good. They're like eight foot boards, nine foot boards, whatever they can still be used for something. But I have like a whole stack of boards in here in the house. Or I keep my other lumber so why the does stuff doesn't be out there no there's no reason for it to be out there
2: <laughs> <laughs> you are not helping the Sanford inside <laughs> uh, meme going on here oh, I just keep the
1: rest of my lumber in the
2: house <laughs> oh as one does <laughs> maybe I should
0: watch the show Something. You should.
1: It's totally worth it. It's, it's such a unique way to, to do your, your woodworking. You know what I mean? Just in your situation with your lumber, it provides like a, a very unique scenario that most of us don't have the luxury of. It's
0: a first world problem, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. For, as far as woodworking goes, a first world
0: problem. Yes, yes as far as woodworking goes, goes, yes, yes. But yeah, I got um, – the shop is really empty and it was really surprising to me like how much wood I had in the shop. And now, like, there is a noticeable echo in the shop. Oh, really? Yes. Wow.
1: So sound absorption was something you didn't anticipate. That's interesting.
0: <laughs> I didn't. Now, when I'm standing by my table saw, there is so much echo back there now because there's like a wall of wood mm-hmm. sitting there absorbing all those sound rate waves. Is so that
1: impacting video for you?
0: Uh, hasn't, I haven't noticed it on, on video yet because I don't talk to the wall. If I turn around and like face the wall and talk at it, you can hear it.
1: You just talk to the wall when you're not filming.
0: Correct. Okay. Yes. This is a check. I say. <laughs> don't they don't
2: think snacks. of it as an echo. Just think of it as as a friend a in new the shop. Friend. To have a conversation with.
1: Oh hello. Hello. <laughs> Someone keeps talking to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Matt also uh, runs from his shadow outside, so he has
0: this shadows run from me <laughs> that's oh. okay that's the time of day I guess
1: nice yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's weird half of the time it's chasing me the other half of the time I'm chasing it I don't understand <laughs> that's
0: awesome oh. oh man
1: well good that sounds cool man it sounds like um. so like is with all this new room are there any acquisitions coming in because you've made room or is it just let's enjoy this space and you know dance between oh. tools
0: <clears throat> nothing particularly like as far as tools go, because a lot of it was just the wall space and just like, like room around stuff. Like mm-hmm. the biggest thing I'm excited about is like what people won't enjoy, which is like being able to move my tripod and light box around much huh. easier. Oh yeah, especially with the the tripod and the legs that go out, so you actually have room for the whole base to contact the floor instead of usually I'm like one leg is up on something, another leg is up on something else, <laughs> and then right. the other one's on the floor. <laughs> gotcha, I'm
1: telling you, man. Light panels from the ceiling. That's the way to do it. It'll change yeah, your life.
0: Well, that's the other thing I'm working on too is like over where I have my bench, I have a lot of light there. So mm-hmm. I don't really need the light box over there that much unless I'm lighting a shot with my face in it. And then I use it. But otherwise there's enough light generated by the ceiling lights where I don't need any fill light. Yeah. Uh one of the things I'm doing with the shop this year, my dad's actually gonna come up and help me with this. He's gonna we're gonna drywall the ceiling so we'll have like White ceiling which will help with the light as well, but I'm also going to fill the rest of the shop with the same amount of light as I have over the bench. So we're talking like how many more fixtures would that be? Uh eight more fixtures? Eight eight foot fixtures? Something nice. like that?
1: That's a lot of extra light.
0: Oh yeah. the <laughs> chance having a array over a little, there.
1: Little disco party.
0: <laughs> Sweet. <laughs>
1: What what? Nice. Shannon's showing off his uh. What do you what do you have? Um. You're, you're, the heck you're is talking about lighting? So Philip you know. Phillips Hue lights or something? Yeah. Sweet. Well, Very good. So Shannon, aside from partying in your shop, what do you got going on? Uh. Well, hold on. Let somebody just turn this off. It might be a little distracting. <laughs> just a bit.
2: Is anyone seizing yet? Just a bit distracting. There we go. That's better. Um, You you know, it was was a quiet week in the shop for me this week just because stupid day job. Took a lot of my time um, doing some more tutorials for the hand tool school. And then I was in New York City on Saturday for uh, taking a Broadway show. One of the reasons I wasn't at Handworks this uh, weekend because my wife got for my birthday last March, got me tickets and we also went to like a really awesome five-star restaurant. If you guys ever watched that show Chopped on Food Network or whatever, mm-hmm. um, one of the judges of that, Alex Gornaschelli, her restaurant's called Butter, which how can it not be good if it's called Butter? We, <laughs> we went there. Sounds good and for then, you. Uh, took, took in a took in a show. So um, Other than that, I um, started working on um, a small cabinet. For This all started as doing a demonstration on knife hinges. And I was like, well, you know, I have a door that I did in another demo years ago that's just been kind of hanging out in my shop. So I need to build like a frame that I can do an inset knife hinge install. And I was like, well, you know, if I'm going to go ahead and build a frame, I might as well make like a little box, like a little cabinet and put it on. In typical fashion that uh, resulted in me heading out to the lumber shed and digging through boards and what should have just been a couple of pieces of poplar like pocket screwed together to make a frame has turned into a full dovetailed case made out of uh, African shedua with a quilted maple door <laughs> that's now <laughs> knife hinged in place. And it, it's a totally it's a very it will be when it's done. It will be a very cool looking uh, wall cabinet. But this goes back to our art conversation last week on The Weekend Show. Mm -hmm. It's going to be almost entirely non-functional because of the sizes of the the schedule that I have. And, And like Matt, I've been hanging on to like four foot long boards thinking, well, it's not big enough to make a piece of furniture, but maybe I'll make a box out of it or something. So I only have two pieces of this stuff. And the total depth of the cabinet will be about two and a half inches. So it's basically a medicine cabinet, I guess, is all that it can be. But I just I just can't see what I'm going to use it for other than eye candy to hang on the wall. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there we go. It's That will be art rather than furniture based on our last conversation.
1: <laughs> nice. We actually got a ton of feedback on this. So we'll talk about it oh, a good. little bit on the kickback. But uh, go check out oh. the post for that one. And we've got a lot of people just chiming in on their thoughts about uh, art versus craft, things like that. So, Ooh, it's dark there all of a sudden.
0: Oh, you look creepy. It's the weekend. Now.
1: Yeah. All right. So that's it for what's on the bench. Let's get into what's new. Uh, so, very quickly, it hasn't been published yet. I think it's going to be coming out this week, but I was able to guess it was more like an interview style thing on a Modern Makers podcast. That's at modernmakerspodcast.com. And you guys know uh, the Four Eyes guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Salamone, Salamone. and uh, uh, two other guys, really very talented. <laughs> <laughs> don't spit it out, Shannon.
0: Oh, man. I wow. can't wait to tell people about Wood Talk. You know, it was me, Mark Spank, and two other guys. Two other guys. Oh, I forget their names. So.
1: <laughs> Go to their about page. They weren't on the show. It was, just, it was a one on one interview. So oh, I didn't, I didn't okay. even get to meet oh, those okay. guys. Slightly better. Is that a little good. bit better? Jeez. Just a bit. <laughs> uh, there was one guy, I think his name is Guy, and the other guy, he, I don't know. They're all very talented. I mean, I listened to the show. It was good. But. <laughs> So this interview should be coming out this week. And it was a it was pretty good. We didn't talk about like your typical stuff. It was a very fun interview. And then uh Chris's videos are just fantastic. So I'm kind of hooked on his his stuff because he's got that very he's got a, a, a like a degree of serenity to his productions that are just fun to to have in the background. It's a very relaxing video to watch, kind of like the uh who is it, the is it Ishitani? Am I pronouncing mm-hmm. that right? That guy's stuff, you know, like where you could just sit there and just zone out in it. And I think he does a really good job with his stuff. So anyway, check it out. should be out this week. Um, but it was a fun conversation. Well, and speaking of that,
2: <clears throat> one of the things that I dropped in there, what's new was actually Chris's, uh, record player. Uh, we're giving him too much love. <laughs>
1: Take that out of there. Yeah.
2: Well, the the, the thing is, is <laughs> I don't watch as much YouTube probably as I should, what a jerk. Um, but most of yeah, the time it's, on. it's like on my phone or something like during a lunch break or <clears throat> potty break <laughs> or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, Chris's stuff I like to put on the big screen, you know. It's here good. in the shop, I'll throw it up on the TV, um, and it, it's just overall, you know, the design is good. But he puts a lot of thought into his designs, and he explains his thought process. So uh, yeah, there's something to be said about that. His yeah. stuff is art.
1: It is in the world oh, of video. Oh boy. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> like Frank Howarth in a way. You know, it's it, it yes. trans- transcends simply, um, you know, passing on a message and information th- to a whole different level. Um outside of just instructional content. So I like I like guys who do that. I agree. Um,
2: what else we could I put it in there.
1: Okay, so there's this little thing about handworks. Is that did you put that in there, Shen?
2: Yeah, I did. Um because obviously I had a lot of comments from people this weekend like, Oh, you should have been to handworks. Why weren't you at handworks You're a hand been. tool guy. And it's like, you know, that would have been great. I would have loved to go to Handworks, but, you know, the 2 full-time job thing was a little bit difficult. But what Handworks has become now is almost a place for the tool manufacturer, specifically the hand tool guys, to release, like, the new products. So it seems like it's only every other year, but every other year um, – you know, there's all kinds of teasing leading up to it. Somebody has a limited edition poster or whatever. But this year, it seemed like a lot of people pulled out all the stops. Um, Benchcrafted has been teasing about their little swing out stools, like bench mounted stools, for a while, um, and and they do this where they release them and it's like, you know, we're bringing 80 of them to the show, first come first serve, and then like a month from now they'll be available on the website. And usually there's some sort of pricing deal to to buy it at Handwork. So it's just interesting that now this show has become what used to be that way with the industry shows like AWFS Mm -hmm. and IWF and stuff like that. They used to like, there would be special show prices and special like product releases and stuff. So it's kind of exciting to see that happening in the hand tool world. Um, Veritas uh, released their combination plane. So they finally, somebody's tried to remake the Stanley 45s and 55s. I think it's available in August. Blue Spruce now has a fret saw. Um, and then I saw a bunch of other stuff, but seeing as I wasn't there, um, I would say anybody who's listening, who did go send us a voice memo and tell us what your takeaway from handworks was. Hmm. What are, what were the new tools? What were the, you know, we even talk about this at WIA like what was the, what was the sleeper class? Like what was the one that you wish you'd been to, or was the one that made the entire class? What was the, the one new tool or one deal or whatever that made handworks for you? We want to hear from you. So
1: handworks is like the new, like the E3 of woodworking yeah pretty much, yeah so pretty soon there's sure. going to be giant booths and all this spectacle booth babes and all that stuff, right, yeah, but they're
2: still going to fit it inside a barn, so you know,
1: reserved booths, <laughs> yeah booth babes of sheep yeah they, well, speak
2: oh, <laughs> speaking oh, of sheep
1: long on so many levels uh on a <laughs> lot of those pictures, did it not look like a human cattle drive? It
2: looked a little tight <laughs> like, like they really just tight. shoved
1: them all in there, like uh, shoulder to shoulder. Space as people are trying to maneuver around that place.
2: Uh, If you're at all claustrophobic or germaphobic, maybe not the event for you to go to. Yeah, it looked a little rough, a little tight, a little tight. All right. What I wonder is like, because every time I see it, you know, that it's probably just the exposure on the camera that took the photo, but it always looks very dark. You know, they have like the Christmas lights on the beams and stuff. Yeah. I just imagine I'd be like, you know, what, what is that new tool? Especially
1: because <laughs> like all Veritas tools are black. So I'd be like, is that a combo plane over there or just a shadow? What What's going on? Yeah, that would yeah. be one of those events where I get really nervous. When I could start to smell people's deodorant. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then later, in the, day, later in the day, um, yeah, it smells more like a lack of deodorant that starts to get me nervous. I don't like to be that close to people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, but, what, what yeah. was most eye opening for me is I'm going to get flack for admitting this, but I, I couldn't, there's no way I could have gotten away, but there wasn't the appeal for me this year. And cause I am so not in a tool acquisition mode of my woodworking. I don't, there are no tools that I absolutely need, so I know a lot of the people that went that were really excited had a very like a very specific shopping list. You know, they were going to, to shop from um, you know Superior Tools or going to buy vintage tools or buy like whatever the latest release was. A lot of people were going to the Benchcrafted booth or the Bad Axe booth to buy a specific item. Um, and seeing as I'm not in the market for anything, I was kind of like, well, like. Uh, I'm not really that upset about missing it. Certainly the social element would be really cool. But <laughs> the, if the social element is, is crammed in like sardines, I'm not so sure about that.
1: You can get very close to some people who watch yeah. your show. Yeah. I don't know. It kind of makes me sad. Like maybe I should
2: just, you know, like Matt did with his wood, just sell off all my tools just so I can get back into tool buying mode. <laughs> just that. Maybe I'm missing a whole <laughs> aspect of woodworking speaking of first world problems I have all the the tools I
1: need (laughs) yeah exactly well acquisition is I think part of that excitement phase you know as you're really getting into I find this with any new thing any kind of new hobby you're interested in the acquisition of the things to do that hobby is a fun phase of the process but then you do eventually get to a point where that's no longer part of it and now it's simply making things but I I could see why if, if that is primarily a product focused show if you're not willing to buy I don't think there's anything wrong with saying you're not that interested in what they have there.
5: Right.
2: Well, I mean like WIA, the marketplace is always cool, but I go and take classes just because, you know, and I'll spend, especially this last year. um, Well, mainly because I was teaching. So (laughs) three hours of each day or or no, I guess it was like, but we taught two classes a day. Right, Matt? I think I did Um, one a day. You had a double day? day, I think. Yeah, but whatever. Like, Three hours of your day is spent in a classroom. And then if you take a class, then there's another two hours. So, you know, five hours of your day, you're in learning stuff. Um, And then you kind of pop into the marketplace. This show is all about the marketplace. I know there were some presentations, I think, along the way and a lot of kind of in-booth presentations. But anyway, haven't been. So if you went, tell us what your takeaway was.
1: Tell us, yo. Uh, So we have a voicemail here. Actually, it's two of them and before we get into our kickback, I just wanted to play these. So this is from Barry. Had a couple of suggestions for show openers for us, and he he (laughs) left those as, you know these are going to be good, right?
0: Oh, (laughs) if you're playing them, it must be. (laughs) They they must be.
1: All right, let's have a listen. Why don't I hear anything?
0: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That's the best opener.
1: Isn't that good? It's a little quiet.
0: Make your own opener.
1: Let me make sure that's not Hold on. We might have a a technical snafu here. I think the
2: best opener is our pre-show. That's the thing. Show up to the live stream and just listen
4: before we actually go live.
1: Did you guys hear the um, you guys heard the intro music, right?
4: Yeah. Today, yeah. For the last few weeks I've noticed that the show has gotten so much more Mm -hmm.
1: okay, good. I don't know what the hell just happened. Let's try this again. Off to Barry.
3: Welcome to Wood Talk giving contradictory and mediocre advice since 2007. Now, here are your hosts, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. Oh, what was that?
1: (laughs) Thanks, Barry, you jerk. All right, he's got one more for us.
3: Welcome to the Wood Talk Weekend Show, where we fake excitement over the weekend, even though it's only Monday. Now, here are your hosts, Mark, Shannon, and Matt.
1: Okay, that one's true. That one's very true. That's a good one. I like that. Uh thanks for that, Barry. Had a good laugh. Appreciate it. And let's get to our kickback here. So Joe left a message with a little bit of praise, a little bit of uh patting our own backs here, but well Joe said it, so technically he's patting our back.
4: Hi guys, this is Joe Lipinski in Rochester, Michigan. I don't have a question or a comment or kickback this week, but more of an observation to share that maybe other listeners have had to. For the last few weeks, I've noticed that the show has gotten so much more entertaining with great conversation between the three of you, even in spite of the occasional attack by the hairy giggler. (laughs) I wondered what changed, and then it hit me. Back at the 10th anniversary show, Matt just came out and said that he was wrong for having way too much respect for you guys. (laughs) Uh, After that, the show's only gotten so much better. Thanks to you all for a great show and keep it up.
1: (laughs) All right. Thanks for that, Joe. And I've said this before. It's just, it's a comfort level. And I think he's absolutely right that, I mean, that really makes it a very succinct thing, but (laughs) that is true. Once, once Matt got comfortable, things got better.
2: I think it was the awkwardness when he said, I love you. And I didn't say it back. And it took me to, to finally respond Before we hit our groove. Well, it takes a
1: while to recover from an unrequited (laughs) love state. Do you know what I mean? Like, You you don't just bounce back from that.
5: (laughs) When
2: when the hairy giggler says, I love you, Uh, you're not sure how to
1: respond. Matt, the hairy giggler Cremona. Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, I mean, honestly, I think it truly is a comfort level thing and uh, it takes a while for us to find a groove when there's a new host uh, interjected, especially since you know, the show's been going so long with the same host. It's kind of, you know, takes a while to, to, to get into some level of understanding and timing is what a lot of it comes down to. Um, and I think thankfully we've uh, we found that sweet spot.
2: Boom, That's By the spot. way, I think uh, harrygiggler.com is available,
0: Matt. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That, was, that was last year's thing, all right? Get a new oh. shtick for this year.
1: The Harry Giggler? Oh, I mean, the URL thing? Okay. <laughs> Buying domains. <laughs> we'll find something else that we could spend money on. Let's think about this, Shannon. We'll get back to you. <clears throat> stickers. <laughs> stickers. Yes, new stickers you have to have made. You have to get your Harry Giggler, Harry Giggler, Stickler. Stickler. Get That's really hard dude, to, to say those words properly. All right, let's get to uh, Brian's kickback now. You remember last week we had someone call in who couldn't find lumber in Knoxville, and Brian has some advice.
4: Hey guys, it's Brian. I just had a little feedback for Gil from the last episode. Uh, He said he was in Knoxville, and there's three places that I know of that he could uh, check out. Uh, Number one is definitely Jeffries Woodworks, or Jeffries Hardwoods. In South Knoxville, Uh, Bob and Cynthia Jeffries are... Really nice people, really good to work with. Uh, they've got a reasonable selection and, uh, you know, pretty fair prices. And they don't mind you uh, sorting through the lumber. It's all stacked vertical, so it's nice uh, to get in and look at. Uh, number two is Witt Building Company. They, have, uh, they keep some hardwood in stock, and, and they'll let you go look at it and, and buy pieces that you want. And then there's another place called a and Supply. That is mainly a plywood dealer that also carries some hardwood. They mainly deal with uh, commercial customers, so uh, just have, just know that before you before you go in there. Anyway, hope that helps Gil out, and uh, thanks, guys.
1: But good good information from a local. We like that. Yep. Okay, this is an- another funny one. This is from Eric the Old Man is what I'm going to call him from now on.
0: Oh,
3: boy. Hey, Mark Shannon and other Matt. This is Eric, the guy who had questions about drill presses last week. Hey, I just wanted to say that I'm 27, and not all millennials are ignorant of what happened before 1990 like Matt. (laughs) Well, my wife does say I'm 85 at heart. Maybe that's why my two hobbies are woodworking and golf. So, anyway, hand me that grape soda. Get off my lawn. That's <laughs> <laughs> you know great about Eric. The
1: old man is he actually sounds like he's about 65 years old. He does. He's got a little bit of that, <laughs> that get off my lawn attitude. Just already. like, you know That's what? Nice. I'm I'm over this thing called life. Like everything is just crappy now. And I'm on the downhill slope. <laughs> you
0: know I mean? Like <laughs> I, I thought he was lying about his age. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit of that
2: Wilford Brimley in his voice right yeah. there.
1: That's awesome. Well, thanks That's Eric, the old man. Anytime you want to call in and, Remind us how young you are. That'll be uh, that'll be fun. <laughs> okay, so we got another one here. The kickbacks are fantastic. And by the way, these voice memos, killer. I love them. It's so much easier for us. The voice quality is good. So please continue to send us those. You can uh, actually,
0: understand it. Don't hear like the car noise in the background.
1: Right. <laughs> exactly. Even if they do record in their car, it's not as it's not as bad. Uh, those Skype recorded calls are just terrible. Um, so yeah, please please keep them coming. And again, that's Wood Talk. What is it? Woodtalkshow at gmail.com. No, Wood Talk Online. Sorry. That's a big mistake. Woodtalkonline at gmail.com is where you could send those. Uh, So next one here is from Vic, and he has some thoughts on uh, art versus craft.
5: Hey, guys. This is Vic up in Pasco. I'm calling about the subject of is furniture art. Uh, I, I agree with basically you all that it can and be and it might not be. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with intention um, on the part of the person designing. Um, you know, if you're designing purely functionally and all you're doing is, um, you know, um, addressing things like a- as an afterthought, addressing you know the grain continuity and things like that, probably not. But then you, if you are designing, um, you know sketching things out and you know say you're sketching a chair or a table whatever but you're sketching it out and you're you're doing it with the idea of uh you know with the idea of form composition balance flow negative space etc and then you have to go back through and figure out well how do I make this functional what kind of joineries do I use um how do I address uh movement etc then I think you're more on the art world side of the the equation um Anyway, that's my two cents worth and uh but the reality is if you put a nail on a board and um hang it up, uh it is quote unquote art. So uh there is that. And have a good day. Bye.
1: <laughs> Thanks for that, Vic. Vic said uh, old friend of the show. Good guy. So let's see, what else we have here? Uh Matt, you want to get the next one? There's uh there's no uh, more. I oils. can do
0: that, yes. <clears throat> so much from Dennis. He says about your recent podcast on art versus craft. I find the distinction between the two insulting. Heck, oh. even I can take a brush and make a painting as good as some of the greats in the art realm. Uh, I heard a case when I heard of a case where some art artist was paid thousand dollars by the foundation for the arts for a bag of trash from McDonald's. To begin with, I am totally blind and I have been so for the past sixteen years. Back in two thousand thirteen, I went to the Utah state fair to enter a steel string dreadnought style guitar. I made the previous spring. I was told by the officials that it was a craft and not, and was not eligible to be entered into the art portion of the fair. Their attitude was appalling. Wow.
2: Hmm. Wow.
0: That's interesting.
1: I did have to edit that down a little bit. He had a lot of extra uh, information in there, but he's got some quite a bit of experience building and he went into Mm -hmm. some of the things that uh, makes his situation different being a blind woodworker, but Um, really interesting perspective there and you know what I mean not to to go against what he says but that that goes back to the whole thing I don't know that like unless the guitar was completely off the wall and it just happens to also be a guitar I don't know that I would think of a guitar as art yeah I mean when you're talking about
2: like a state fair where they have you know a ribbon for set categories you know there's a first second and third place and they have to be really kind of Structured on what goes into what category. Mm-hmm. Um, I can I can see kind of where they would say that because in their mind they're thinking art is like, you know, a picture, the tongue on the wall or a photograph. I'm just thinking of our own state fair. And when you go to the art section, it's all paintings and photographs. The layman's you know, art. Right. And meanwhile, they have a quilting section, you know, and you could say, well, quilts are artistic. You know, the skill required to make that quilt or there's a whole knitting section. And we know that that's not artistic at all. Yeah. but yeah, that's a tough call. It's interesting. That is a tough call. Well, this next one's from William on the same topic. He says, regarding what defines art, art is an abstract construct and is, and as such is undefinable to define something. It must be limited to parameters. One of the great things about art is that it's truly unlimited. There's no minimum skill level required. There is good art and bad art, but there is no almost art. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, it's unfortunately common that people tend to equate the word art with good as is so often done. People think, oh, that such and such was so good. It's a work of art. I said that about uh, Chris Salomé's videos, didn't I? <laughs> this ah. stuff is a work of art. These people are fools and know nothing. I would agree with that last part. <laughs> and he, In he this parentheses. Reading this back, I can't help but hear myself as some smug asshole. Something else you guys know I'm self-aware. <laughs> ah, that's
1: awesome. <laughs> you know what, though? I... I will have to say I agree with him and I think that's why in that conversation it was kind of like me versus you two guys because I just don't see <laughs> the art in a lot of this stuff. Like it takes a lot for me to want to use that word on an object. You know, I just, I, I kind of, I've, I've definitely fallen aside of thinking uh, where William is here. Okay, enough about well, that. This was uh, one of the most- It all depends on your childhood upbringing I suppose. I think no. so. You're right. I will blame my mom for this. <laughs> she didn't expose me to art early enough in life or at all. Um okay. So we got some voicemail here. Michael wrote in. He's getting dust, not shavings. Let's find out why.
2: Hey, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. Uh this is Michael. Uh so I'm following Mark's directions in uh hybrid woodworking to sharpen card scrapers and cabinet scraper blades. Uh you know, I'm following it step by step, and I've tried a couple of times. Um and I'm mostly winding up with dust instead of shavings. Uh, you know, some, I'm wondering if you guys might be able to specify or point to, uh, you know, some steps somewhere where I'm just not doing it right that might result in, uh, you know, in, in dust instead of shavings. All right. I appreciate any help. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.
1: If you followed my stuff step by step, it wouldn't be working. Just
0: saying. Oh, boy.
2: <laughs> well... I mean, that uh, may yes. be the first Smoke mistake. He, uh, he, you my video. he went
1: to Mark for a card scraping <laughs> video. Yes. Uh, I
2: mean, there's the elephant in the room, Good right? Good point. Good oh. point.
1: I admit it. I suck. So, well, what
2: is the method you espouse? Because I think card scrapers are probably the, like, there's probably more ways to sharpen a card scraper than any other tool out there. So, what do you suggest, Mark?
1: It's, honestly, when I look into card scraping uh, or sharpening of card scrapers, I find there to be like commonality amongst the different techniques out there um, that are all pretty much the same and you just find these slight variations and I think a lot of times it just comes down to that burnishing process. Uh, You get everything else done right, then the burnishing is where you might go wrong and it may just be holding things at the wrong angle or maybe going too many times where you are folding it over and actually weakening that little bit of uh, steel at the edge. So I think that's where people usually go wrong and they overthink the burnishing and uh, yeah. w- one thing that really helped me was when I watched David Marks do this. Uh, he actually does the burnishing. A lot of times I'll use my um, like little vice over here, uh, just so that I don't have to hold it. But he'll hold it in his hand and put it on his knee, and he'll do his burnishing that way. And that can give you an idea of how much pressure he's using and how many strokes it takes to develop that burr. And it's not as much as you think. So I think that's one area people are overworking the. Uh, you know, whether they're trying to roll that edge, they're overworking it. Um, but the other thing I would think that could be problematic is they aren't doing enough prep work ahead of time. So the goal is to kind of make that square edge, if you were to look at the profile of the, of the the scraper, you want to make it a truly square edge, almost like two chisel corners. So it has to be nice and sharp. So that means flattening the faces as well as the side. And if you don't get that right, then when you go to, burn, to do the burnishing, you don't actually have the material there that you think you have. So you're just kind of rolling it over the edge and not actually creating uh, the hook. So what do you you guys want to add to that? That's, at least from my experience, what I've seen.
2: A lot of times what I find is that, uh, as you're you're talking about the prep work, um, maybe you got shavings for like a pass or a pass and a half, Mm -hmm. and now it's dust. And you're thinking, what the the heck, man? Do I have to resharpen this? Because maybe you didn't hone the edge. So you've used a file across that edge and you've got it nice and 90 degrees and square and everything, but then take it to a stone and kind of refine that edge a little bit because if it's straight off a file, it will work, but it's, it would be the same thing as if, uh, taking your chisel and sharpening with a file, it will get sharp, but the edge won't be nearly as durable because you don't have a, a really nice polished edge there. So that would be the first thing. And then what I recommend is don't, don't roll a burr right away. Get it so that it's it's sharpened 90 degrees and you've got 90-degree corners. And then just take it to whatever it is you want to scrape and and feel how that works. It, you will be able to get shavings with just a 90-degree edge. And you can get a feel for how that card scraper should feel when it's cutting properly. Um, because you're right, Mark. I think people probably put too steep of a burr. So yeah. they're trying to get it to engage. And either it's weak and it's just broken off the burr and now you've got a rounded over edge. Or in order to get it to engage, I'm actually showing it if you're watching the video, in order to get it to engage, you've got to lean it over too far. And then your, your knuckles are dragging on the wood and you can't get the leverage on it. Ideally, the burr should be just off 90 degrees. It's a very slight angle, like one, two, maybe five degrees off of 90. And if you put the card scraper down vertical in the wood and just lean it forward kind of while you're pushing it forward, you'll feel it grab. It'll actually stop. And you have to apply a little bit of pressure to get it to to push back. So, you know, I, I think that starting at ninety degrees with no burr whatsoever is kind of like the training wheels version, um, and you get a feel for how it cuts. Then slowly add that burr. Um, and I do. I actually think what you're saying about David and holding it in his hands probably. I'm trying to think if that's what I do now.
1: <laughs> it's very easy to put too much pressure if you don't do. Yeah. That. <clears throat> you know, if it's in a yeah. vice, you can go two handed with the burnisher and really lean into it and it might just be too much.
2: I think now that I think about it, cause I I'll put it in a vice and run the file over the top and then I take it out and I hone it on the stone. And then while it's in my hand, I just run the burnisher down and it's like one, two and I'm done, Yeah, you know, and then I'll flip it around and do it the other side and, and I'm done. Uh, I guess it depends upon what you're using as a burnisher, but that's getting really like stupid specific and yeah. a whole other. Got anything realm. to add to
0: that, Matt? Um, I guess I'll just kinda of reiterate what you guys said about the pressure thing. The thing that like the hallelujah moment I had is when I, I saw Tommy Max sharpen a card scraper in his um oh his secretary desk series. He was showed it in that and like he was like, Oh, I just light like very light pressure, you could tell like I mean he's got big arms, so he, like his arms weigh a little bit more than mine do. But I only use <laughs> I use the the weight of the size of the side maybe. the side of the he's like, he of pushing at all the like side of the side really of burnishing or pressure that applies to the side of the side of the side of the of like keeping of the of the side of the side of the side of the of the first time, I was of the side of the side of the burnisher of the side the burnisher and like, they're gonna, like, push the side of the side like the side the side of the side of you know, just really light pressure is all it takes, and that that burr actually lasts a pretty long time when it's you know that fine, mm-hmm. and it's not really weak at all. So it's, I would say, check your pressure, and uh, everything else you guys said, very good stuff. Well, thanks. One, man. <laughs>
2: one thing I just thought of that that can really help with this is a lot of the, what people use as a burnisher. I'll just grab a screwdriver. You know, a burnisher is a longer type item like a screwdriver i started using a smaller burnisher uh it's uh, my particular burnisher i actually bought from a uh, blackburn Toolworks, but because it's shorter and if you don't have a short one really choke up on it so there's only like an inch of steel sorry <laughs> i don't know why that was funny
0: oh, oh listen okay. back it and you will. will all right great
2: if there's only <laughs>
1: wow <coughs>
2: now i know how matt feels
1: oh sorry go ahead
2: <laughs> anyway, if there's only about an inch of steel outside of your hand as you're burnishing, it's it's much harder to exaggerate that angle. Whereas if you're grabbing it, you know, when there's a six inches, eight inches of steel, stop it. I really, this would be so much better when I wasn't actually seeing your faces. <laughs> you can more dramatically exaggerate the angle off of 90 degrees if you have a, a longer lever that you're working with. So if you're working with something like a screwdriver grab the the actual blade of the screwdriver itself. Mm -hmm. So there's only about an inch of steel outside your hand and you've got a lot more control over how much angle you're putting on it and you'll feel a little bit better too. If you're holding it way back on the handle, you will have a tendency. There's just more pressure because you've got a longer lever you're working with. Mm -hmm. So at the risk of repeating myself, choke
1: up on it and choke up on it, baby. (laughs) You know the funny thing is, speaking of Tommy Mac and the burnisher size, I've got a crown burnisher here, and then he did a um for a short period of time, I think it was in collaboration with pony tools, if I'm not mistaken. they were doing uh scraper sharpening kits, and the burnisher they sent with that kit is well not quite half, but it's you know got a good inch and a half less than the crown burnisher it is It is a shorty, which I th- yeah. think is kind of interesting, but yeah, good point. Whereas
2: my burnisher is like an inch and a half long of carbide and then like a four inch long maple handle. Yeah, that's tiny. tiny. It it has it's it's a it's a game changer, I think, because I mean you've got so much more feel um over over the burnisher. The funny thing is is my crown burnisher is now the the peg and
1: the parallel guide <laughs> of my leg vise. Nice. <laughs> Double duty, baby.
2: Yeah. You know, very reuse and recycle. <clears throat>
1: Nice. Okay. So we got a question on motor cycling, not motor cycling, but motor cycling.
3: Mark, Matt and Shannon. This is Jason in Apple Valley. So earlier this evening, my wife and I actually, okay. She was listening to episode 138 of Wood Talk. So we're going back a few years and the bit that I heard talked about it not being good for a dust collector to turn it on and off every, you know, too many times. It's supposed to be limited to just a few times per hour. Um, trying to figure out why is that, and if it is, why isn't that bad for your table saw? I mean, you're not going to leave your table saw on for an hour straight while you arrange things and goof around with stuff. Generally not a healthy thing to do. So um, why is it different for a dust collector? They're both similar motors. Uh, Am I not correct? Please educate me. Thank you very much.
1: Okay. I don't know nothing about motors. So I actually contacted the folks at Oneida and got an answer. But before I read this, do you guys have any immediate thoughts on it?
2: I'm just hoping that wasn't my advice back in episode (laughs) 138 because I had –
1: that's just sounds – because I'm not following it, I'll tell you that much. I turn my dust collector on and off all the time. It would have definitely been something that I would have said because I've read that many, many times <laughs> in, in manuals and cyclone manuals.
2: Now, I'm the standing th- here staring at the window AC unit, and it specifically says wait three minutes before restarting. So <laughs> there's an actual, like, maybe that's the same thing. I don't okay.
0: Know. The only thing I can think of for dust collector versus table saw is a dust collector has a higher starting load. Mm-hmm. I would think it's about it, but other than that, like I, I personally wouldn't care. That was the
2: one machine that used to flip my breaker before I put in twenty amp circuits all the time. Mm -hmm. So right, see that.
1: Well, and I think the physical load uh, plays into it as well. Let's. uh, So I emailed my boy Mike. Switch
2: is just as easy to flip on and off as it was my table saw. So there's no physical.
1: (laughs) You're a (laughs) (laughs) dork. Just letting you know. Uh, So anyway, I email Mike at Oneida and Mike says that the motorcycling issue you're describing is specific to large single phase induction motors with magnetic starters. Essentially, when these larger motors turn on, they're already under a heavy load due to both the weight of the impeller on the shaft and the air resistance that they have to overcome before reaching max RPM. This generates a high amount of amperage and heat compared to a typical load. Repeatedly starting the motor continuously makes the motor hotter and hotter, which can wear out the insulation on some internal components and if the motor's too hot, it won't turn on at all as a safety precaution. In comparison, three phase motors and the smaller universal motors on almost any hand tool can be repeatedly turned on and off without issue. We recommend that the dust collector motor not be started more than six times per hour. Ideally, it should be left on while any tools are in operation in the shop. Some tools like lathes have motors that are specifically designed for repeated starts under heavy loads. But for a dust collector, the ideal application requires that they be left on continuously to keep the shop air clean. And uh, that's from Oneida. So I thought that was pretty good information. Hopefully a good answer to your uh, question there, Jason. That makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. I like that answer. It does. It does. Except for the motor thing on hand tools. I don't get that part.
1: Wah, wah. <laughs> what was it that I posted? I posted something uh-huh. recently and you said it would be a great place to rest your hand tools or something like that. What did I, I – Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it was your um, – Oh, my
1: router table, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, your router table. <laughs> my
1: new Incra router just table. <laughs> because
2: of the precision in that router table top would be a great place for me yeah. to set my like rabbit planes. Yeah, a nice
1: things. display for your hand planes. And I your- could
2: precisely dial in the fence location <laughs> right. so that it would just be wide enough for the length of my rabbit planes. That's right. be good I, I demand precision in
1: my hand tool storage. You do. <laughs> Nothing but the best for you. <laughs> Okay, so let's get to our email here. Oh, by the way, just mention one more time, if you want to send us one of those voice memos, uh, you could do that at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. I got the email right this time. Okay, so email. Darth Rust wrote in, and he's uh, got a question about chisels. He said, there's bench chisels, butt chisels, dovetail, fishtail, skew, mortise, firmer. It goes on like for a while. The depth of chisel types makes me think that it's more than just marketing, but I don't know what I don't know is there something at the bottom of the rabbit hole or am I being daft and thinking that a few selected bench chisels is sufficient for most shops? If your chisel collection were abducted by malign aliens who are not covered by insurance, uh, what selection would you replace them with? All right, chisels, You know, I I think this goes for a lot of different tools. You could find different variations and the deeper you get into things, the more you might start to see a need for some of these other things. But that said, I think most woodworkers, the vast majority of woodworkers can get by with a simple you know, four-piece, six-piece bench chisel set. And you will get to points, So if you start to get into finer joinery, uh, just an example, you're cutting dovetails and you're trying to remove waste between the pins. You know, and you're trying to get a, a regular chisel that might not have the right kind of you know bevel edge on it, and you're trying to get in there, and you wind up actually gouging or um, you know denting the wood because you can't. The shape of the chisel just doesn't go into that tight angle there, and that's a reason why they have dovetail chisels. You know, and and fishtail chisels can be good for cleaning out waste as well. So there are reasons these things exist, but you can usually get by without them. And just like anything else, the deeper you get the more specific <laughs> your needs are. Hey, stop it. Don't do that to me. Only I do that to Shannon. Um, the, oh, more, sp-
0: <clears throat> the more specific, that was an inadvertent laugh. I was thinking about like how funny it is because of a lot of things. Anyway, it would take you into the whole like specific things. But then I realized the joke after I was laughing. So that yeah, wasn't even Matt, what of was the the laughing. Joke, Matt the was actually me, laughing. I guess. So that's about just
1: That's just where my You're head the dirty goes. One. <laughs> Yeah. that <laughs> falls firmly on your shoulders. Mark. Okay. Then I'm totally immature. As everyone already knows.
0: Well, hey, we already knew that, don't worry. Okay. Um
1: so yeah, I think the deeper you get into these things, go ahead, laugh. ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. The the more you might find a need because you are just getting that much more picky, let's say uh, about the results. Um so I'm curious from you guys, if let's say the bench chisels are out of the equation because I think we all can see the value in that, if you had to go to a specialty chisel, what would be the first one you would purchase after your bench chisels?
0: See, I'm kinda of like in a different world with you, like I wouldn't even need my bench chisels. I barely even use those.
1: Really? Yeah. So like, you wouldn't using carrying like, chisels? My
0: butt chisels are my specialty like dovetail chisels primarily, and my bench chisels don't really come out ever or huh. very rarely. No kidding. Yeah, only my really wide ones will come out, but the rest of them I don't use like whatever cores. I could, through, I could see that though,
2: because when you're pulling on hand tools, you're kind of into that refining stage, right? Mm-hmm. You're not really Yeah, yeah so
0: <clears throat> heavy duty
2: Stock removal and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense. So you it's your. So
1: the butt chisels are the ones that you you know sort of are your go to. Like, um, my go to
0: ones are going to be my uh, Ashley Isle round back chisels. They have that round uh, profile to them, or mm-hmm. like the round um like, I don't know cross section. There you go. That's the word. Jeez. Yes, it has a round. It has a half round cross section. So instead of uh, bevels on the top and then the flat top or whatever, mm-hmm. it has just a half moon kind of thing going on. which I really enjoy those ones.
1: Interesting. What about you, Shannon?
0: It would be mortise
2: chisels. Um, and that's a perfect example. You can cut a mortise, you can chop a mortise with a regular old bench chisel. Um, but if you do a lot of it, you know, if you really are into the hand tool thing and you are chopping out a lot of mortises an actual, and, and even more specific, a pig sticker, English style handled mortise chisel, because the, you get the automatic alignment of that oblong handle. You get a much, much beefier cross-section. You have a trapezoidal cross-section, so that actually wedges free a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if you're just chopping the occasional mortise, yes, a bench chisel works perfectly fine. Um, but the more and more you do it, you know, you're know, you going to want a specialty chisel. And that's the one that I probably reach for
1: yeah.
2: uh, more than my, my bench chisels. Because I do use my bench chisels all the time. Right. Because I'm just better than Matt.
1: Of course.
0: Uh, well, we knew that.
1: I would say this is also one of those things where, and this goes for any tool in the shop. We'll be talking about tool acquisition on the weekend show, so this kind of ties in a little bit. But spoiler, yes, you know, yeah, spoiler alert. You know these things exist, but it doesn't doesn't mean you need them. So wait until you <laughs> what? absolutely no. I'm I, sorry. I need them. I know I, that goes against everything most of us believe in, uh, but. Yeah, wait until you have a need. You know, you, you get into a situation where you keep ruining this thing because you just don't have this type of chisel. That's when you go out and buy that thing. Um, especially in the world of chisels, you can get by with a single set of just bench chisels for a long time. And, and Matt, if you didn't have those other specialty chisels, you could probably do quite a bit, you know, just with your regular bench chisels if you didn't have those other
0: oh, options I that did. are a little bit more tailored to you. Back in the day, I did. Mm-hmm. Yes. When you it were, was a little less efficient or a little less enjoyable, but yeah, I did. You can get
1: it done. He found a
2: need that he, he needed to choke up on the chisel. So he got a short butt chisel. That's right. That's See?
0: disgusting. All right. Um, Matt, you're up. Ah, uh, <laughs> always ended on a joke. Every, I think every single one of Mark's emails ends on a joke. Can't help it.
2: I just think it's indicative that I'm the only baseball fan here because I say choke up on it and I'm just immediately totally innocent.
0: I don't, wow. Nobody talks
2: like that.
1: Yeah, who, talk, who, who says those <laughs> words? Those aren't real words. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! That was, all right. <sighs> get it, get well. we put on your shock collar. I need to shock you when you <laughs> take right. when you take too long. Shock
2: it back into the show. Come on, man.
0: <laughs> I, I have to say though, this is probably one of my most enjoyable like hour and a half, two hour blocks of my entire week.
1: That's good. good.
2: Yeah,
0: it's a shame we're trying <laughs> to get it down to sixty minutes.
1: Yeah, we're trying to shorten it for <laughs> you. <laughs>
0: Ah, oh, alright guys. Let me answer a question here. Go ahead. Whatever. Do it. All right. Uh, it seems like Mark set off a YouTube woodworkerslash maker migration. So many YouTubers I follow are currently in the middle of a shop relocation. April Wilkerson makes something I like to mix up shop built, DIY Tyler Tyler, and a couple others. I'm sure all of them are going to going through similar similar wow, similar decisions Mark had to make about what was worth moving made me think about Matt and his literal tons of things that are in his backyard. My question for Matt is, what would your exit strategy be if circumstances as opportunities came up that made you consider moving? How much would your bandsaw mill and stacks of lumber factor into this decision to move or not? So I'll say this. I think everyone, anyone who's, in, who's like grown up will kind of understand where I'm coming from with this. When I bought this house, I didn't plan to be here forever and I don't plan to be here for very much longer. But you know how plans kind of work.
1: You never know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you can't plan things. Are <laughs> you planning something? No. Just go on. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Tell us more oh. about your moving plans. How are
0: you going to move all that crap? Oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, we are actually looking to uh, get into a position where we will be moving. Um, Hopefully next year sometime. Uh, so, and that's been like the, the plan in the back of my mind for a while now. So hmm. like I built, I built a bandsaw mill here with the intention of moving within like two years of building it. So actually, I don't know. Some people worry a lot. I don't really worry about things. Like I got better things to do with my life than worry all the time.
1: You'll figure it but, out. Like when you
0: need to move I, that thing, you're going to figure it out. I already, I mean, I already figured it's not like, it's not that hard to move that like um, I would need to have, like, just to move my shop. Like, I would be probably good to have to either rent or buy a forklift or a skid loader or something to be here to like put my jointer on a trailer or put it on a truck or whatever. So, like, I'm gonna have to have that here anyway to be moving stuff because I just have that kind of big stuff that just makes it. I mean, you could do it like Mark had it done with some big old guys who come in and like manhandle it up whatever, but i will probably end up doing that stuff myself. So, having that stuff around would be helpful. And I'd like to move out He's to work. That, that, right that, really that was a shot across
1: the
2: bow.
0: That was really a shot, man. Mark Seriously. is more of a stand back and let someone else do the work kind of guy. Mark <laughs> like, just
2: hires his people to do. I things. just like, to watch, myself, I just like to watch myself. I just like to watch
1: burly guys moving tools. Okay.
0: <sighs> I just want right, well, to see some guy drop my table saw in the back of a truck.
1: Perfectly <laughs> legitimate. Well, here's here's what I say. It's like uh, Matt said himself. I have better things to worry about than moving tools. <laughs> <laughs> I would just rather get other things done while someone else is straining their back.
0: <laughs> but no,
1: I, I admire of people who have the you know ability and, and and knowledge to operate the proper equipment that can get those tools safely transferred from you know point A to point B. I just don't have that
0: skill set. Yeah, well, when you were doing it too, it's like dollies and that stuff. No one came out with a forklift.
1: Yeah, there were no forklifts <laughs> at all. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be quite an undertaking though. I mean, uh, the material and stuff like that. I mean, but uh, you're handling it yourself so you can kind of, you'd probably be able to go on your own timetable so it wouldn't be as like essential that everything be done within a like two hour window. Yeah, exactly. I just
2: so, think you've already built a bandsaw mill. Just think of how much better your second one will be. Good point. Uh, oh, when you get to man. the new house,
4: nope. Nope. how much quicker nope. it will go because nope. you've nope. already had that experience.
2: Nope, nope,
1: nope, nope, <laughs> nope. 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 nope.
2: <laughs> Now, if some woodworker comes and sees your house and goes, "Oh, I'll buy it," if you throw in the bandsaw mill, you know you might reconsider. We know how well that worked for
0: Mark. They, they would having have a woodworking throwing... shop in the deal sold his
2: house instantly. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true.
0: <laughs> Only if it like increased the sale value of the home by like I don't know, at least fifty thousand dollars. I, I'm not doing that again. Probably not happening. So yeah, <laughs> it's probably going with me. I think most people wouldn't really need that or want that in their yard anyway. So mm-hmm. unless they were an up and coming woodworker who wanted to deal with some big slabs, but you know,
1: it, it's Arnie possible. <laughs> yes, that's true. What is this thing? <laughs> uh... You should go watch it, man. So that is That's a little bit um that is a little bit weird. how many people are in the process of moving right now?
0: I think it's because like everyone on that list, well, maybe not everyone on the list, but everyone's kind of like in the same place in their lives, I guess, where they probably were in like a starter home, yeah. or they they've come to with enough success in whatever they're doing to be able to move to a more desirable place Now that they're, they're making new, YouTube
1: yeah. money, yeah,
0: I'm, I wouldn't say that, but you know, <laughs> hey. <laughs> You know, I don't yeah. know what everybody's financial situation is, but let's you know, perpetuate maybe, that myth. <laughs> maybe that's working out well for him. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. We have our own financial goals that we want to achieve for this year. And then they'll kind of t- determine the time frame for the actual move. But yeah,
2: that's cool. I mean, I, I think the housing market has taken a bigger, huge turn as we've come out of the recession. So I think a lot of people have been kind of wanting to move, but realizing there's no way I'm going to be able to sell my house without going upside down on it. So let's wait. And now the time is right
0: That's true too. Yeah. It's definitely come back around as far as pricing goes, especially at least in my area. It has Mm -hmm. been very interesting like that. Cool. Uh, (laughs) Not so much in Denver, but that's all right.
1: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Things are constantly just going up in Denver. There's never (laughs) a good time to buy. Actually, the best time to buy in Denver, yesterday. Yesterday? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right Good time to sell.
1: (laughs) Right. All right. This email comes from Trevor. He says, I'm trying to learn
2: how to use more hand tools and become sort of a hybrid woodworker.
0: That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, You should take
2: this one, Mark. Okay. Uh, There's a book out there that you (laughs) should buy. Uh, I own a block plane, spoke shave, and a Lee Nielsen low angle jack. While I understand that the low angle jack may not be the absolute best at every job, are there certain blades slash angles that I should have beyond the one that it came with? I want to use it to its full potential. All right. This see this goes into the weekend show as well. This is another one of those tool acquisition disorder things that come up um, <laughs> because you go to Veritas or Lee Nielsen and you can buy a jack plane, a low angle jack specifically, or you can buy the bundle that comes with four different blades like and a bundles. hot dog attachment and a Bluetooth uh, stereo adapter and all that stuff. And we 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 look at that and go, well, I must need to have four different blades for my low angle jack. I would say if you are self-identifying yourself as a hybrid woodworker, I think you're probably fine with that single blade that's probably sharpened at 25 degrees just because my next suggestion would be to get a blade and sharpen it with like a, a you know a heavy angle, a heavy camber on it to be used as like a four plane. But if you're a hybrid woodworker, you're probably not going to be milling your stock by hand. You've got a jointer or you've got a planer. So I would throw that one out the window. Then you say, okay, well, maybe a higher angle blade would come into play. There's something to be said about that, but I, I don't know. Um, I, I would say you'd be better off buying yourself a smoothing plane. You're buying a higher angle blade. You know, you wanted to deal with some really kind of tough grain stock or a heavily figured stock, and at that point, what you're just trying to do is smooth it and get it nice and clean and things like that. Well, the longer sole, of the jack plane is going to kind of defeat you there anyway. Um plus if you're working with most of, you know, the friendly friendlier woods out there, even some of the the really hard jungle woods, you'll be just fine with a 25 degree angle blade. Worst comes to worst, sharpen a micro bevel on it or a secondary bevel at a slightly higher angle and you'll be fine. Um this is one of those things where I would wait until you have a definite reason to to do that. And I think you'll be waiting a long time before you really absolutely say boy, this would be so much easier if I had a 38-degree blade. Um, and I guarantee that you will never get to a point where you say, boy, I wish I had a 90-degree blade. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand that one at all. It's yeah, that one's a little bit of a – that's a little – Yeah, that's, that's just called extending the use of the tool a bit too far. And, you know, <laughs> buy a scraper now. Don't go buy a 90-degree blade. So, yeah, I, you know what? Take the money you would buy on another blade – and go buy a different tool altogether because I think you'll get more use out of a different tool for whatever that specific need is than trying to further extend your jack plane because he's a hybrid woodworker. Just for a whole hand tool guy, it would be a totally different conversation.
1: I'm going to disrespectfully disagree, you turd. Okay. Well, that's okay. You should be used to being wrong. <laughs> I should be. <laughs> By now, after 10 years, I, I you think I'd be used to it, but I'm not. Okay. So a low angle jack plane blade is 40 bucks and i do think that there is value in at least getting that one more with a higher bevel angle because i think it, like folks like you shannon who like dedicate your life to hand tools <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> you you geek out on this stuff so much that you have like tricks up your sleeve i think that that help you deal with tricky grain situations um, um, good point good you know point. there are certain yeah. there are certain knowledge milestones that you've hit that allow you to hit these things that let's say i might confront them and go well this just the Thing it just isn't working, and honestly, so the
2: thirty-eight degree blade is the cheat code, in other
1: words, kind of. Yeah, I mean, so pop if you, that blade in, and ta-da, you're on level seven. And if I could just ah, pop a different it. blade in and get a better result, that actually might be something that's very appealing to me, as opposed to, I don't know, like just all the little details and things that you can do. I mean, low angle jack planes a little you know, simpler in terms of its construction than say like a a bevel down plane where you're uh, dinking around with a chip breaker and all that stuff. But my point is, for me, there's a lot of times where I'll, I'll try a figured wood and I'll be like, well, dang, I'm getting a little bit of tear out with this thing and I'll just pop that other blade in there and it actually solves my problem pretty quickly. So for forty bucks, rather than you know going to a whole different plane and putting that toward, because you're not going to get very far with forty dollars, especially for buying Lee Nielsen or uh, Lee Valley tools. Um, but that forty dollar blade could make that thing pretty versatile, especially if you're using difficult grained woods. I
2: bet you if you sent forty bucks to Matt, you'd get a whole lot of wood for it.
1: Probably. Well, you can get it for free.
2: Everyone. Heard yeah, yeah that, that's right? just so- shipping. That's just shipping. <laughs> yes. No. Excellent point, Mark. I, I I concede you have you are right. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. I. I, I look past a lot of that stuff because I've been doing this hand tool thing for a while. <laughs> right. So, I mean, if I you want to cheat your own skill set yes. and go for the shortcut, grab a second blade. But if you really want to better yourself as a woodworker and become a better person in general, <laughs>
1: <laughs> donate to charity and join the hand tool go. school. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Nice. <laughs> Good stuff.
2: <laughs> oh, Just shoot. don't buy the 90 degree blade, buy the 38 degree blade. Yeah, the 90 degree Or even a 60 degree blade. Not the 90 degrees. It's blank.
1: kind of a tough saw. I mean, if I had the 90, I would just grind it down to something else.
2: <laughs> like right. to well, that's it what useful. I thought I was at first. I thought, oh, you know, because like, like a Lee Nielsen will sell molding plane blanks yeah. to oh, create your yeah. own. That's what I thought they were doing. Like, right.
1: oh, okay, you're supposed to grind that yourself. That's a lot of grinding. Oh man, that's painful. I don't even know. Like, would that would that work well as a scraper? I mean, sure. Technically,
2: yeah. um, it just seems. Just seems like the wrong tool for the job, frankly. <laughs> <It> oh, <does. laughs> uh, okay. How much is a card scraper? That's got to be forty bucks, right? Can't you buy
1: a card scraper for under forty bucks? Jeez, you could buy, you could buy a set of card scrapers for yeah. under forty bucks.
2: Valley set, I think, is around that. So there you go. There's your forty bucks. You're making are- too much noise, as Nicole. No, my lights, lights are
1: going on and off. I don't know why. I think someone just hit the light switch in the house. Um Okay, could be the dog. Who knows? Uh, so we are going to be doing an email extra show for our uh, friendly neighborhood patrons, $4 and higher. So make sure you go to patreon.com slash woodtalk and support us at that $4 or higher level. And you'll get access to all of those email extras. They're a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to be talking about mm, what to do when you only need a few more inches on a tabletop. I could have cut that short and made a good joke, but I didn't. And... Uh, <laughs> you know the scenario you've got like two really wide boards but it's They're still good
2: jokes and there are bad jokes there yeah. are no almost jokes
1: that's right <laughs> yeah, hey that's I'm very there. snotty of you how dare yes. you uh, but you I'm only so need aware. like a couple more inches to, to finish the full width you're going for so what do you do And that's what we're going to talk about in the email extra. Uh, So if you want to support the show, you can certainly do that. Patreon.com slash Wood Talk. You can also go to TWWStore.com and pick yourself up a Wood Talk t-shirt. You could leave us a review in the iTunes store. Just look us up in the store and click on ratings and reviews. Give us a sweet, sweet five-star rating. And Shannon, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. Tweet. If you have stuff to tell us, you can do it. Send us a voice
2: memo. We'll accept no other format. That's basically right. no more <laughs> no <other form. laughs> it's all over <laughs> Marcus cut it all off it's nothing but voice memos voice memos are bust so you can send us that voice memo using the voice memo app on your phone to woodtalkonline at gmail.com or if you just don't want to do that go to the contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact leave us a comment there or just go to woodtalkshow.com look up this episode 380 something 3 I think it is <laughs> and uh, leave a comment there we actually read those sometimes respond to them Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you can go to twitter at wood talk show or facebook and you can leave comments there that we won't see until after the show so there you go that's it
1: very good all right well thanks for listening everyone we will catch you next time see you bye goodbye to you (laughs) that was
2: so very formal